What's up, y'all? It is your boy Rodney Perry. You're tuned in to Rodney Perry Live. We're here once again. It's Monday. It's 2 o'clock on the dot. You can't be late when you're doing the radio. You understand? You can't be late. And I want us to, as black people, I want us to share the image of always being late. Because I don't believe in that. I don't even like that people assume I'm going to be late. Like, you ever have somebody have you somewhere early because they just assuming you're going to get there late, and then the time you get there is way early? I don't like that. Don't inflict that on me. That's not the way Roddy Perry gets down. So <laughs> we're on time and in full effect. Uh, I, first of all, I can't thank you all enough. Everybody that came out and hung out with me this weekend at the Uptown Comedy Corner right here in Atlanta, man, the shows were incredible. Uh, we had some sold-out shows and just some great performances. Shout out, shout out to Mario Torrey, who did a great job hosting uh, the weekend, and also uh, my man Ronnie Jordan, who hosted the show last night. Man, I got to tell y'all, they wore me out. You know, th- this engagement as a comedian here in Atlanta, it's it's a tough engagement. One, because on Saturday nights you have three shows, so. You know, as as a comedian, your mind starts going, okay, did I say that this show or last show? Right, you know, because you be tripping like that. So with that, we're here. We made it through the weekend. And happy Valentine's Day, ladies. Happy Valentine's Day. And I don't even know why I say ladies, because it's supposed to be a couple's holiday, but it's really a lady holiday. Like, if I don't get nothing for Valentine's Day, I'm not going to lose no sleep over it. So... Uh, happy Valentine's Day to all the beautiful ladies in the house. I got a bunch of Valentines here. You know, I have, you know, my, my daughter's here. I got, you know, three girls here in the house and uh, my wife and my mom. So I had to go out. It's so much candy around here. You know, it's just disrespectful. So anyway, uh, it is time to get the show in full effect. I'm super-duper excited about <laughs> about bringing my guests on. I am such a huge fan of this lady. When I got a chance to meet her, uh, we were doing the Monique show, and she was such a kind, generous spirit. We got her coming on today. Her name is Jennifer Holiday. Let me tell y'all something. When I come back, we're going to chat with Jennifer Holiday. She's got a brand-new project, and we're going to talk about the history and how she's shaped all of our lives. Jennifer Holiday is the woman. Happy belated Valentine's Day. This your boy, Rodney Perry. Thank you for tuning in. Y'all stay right there. We'll be right back. What did I do with my last five hours? Let's see. I was a dietitian, a housekeeper, a pediatrician. Yeah, that was a third degree boo-boo. A housekeeper, a sanitation engineer, a housekeeper. Good thing I have five-hour energy to keep me going. What will you do with your next five hours? Hey, y'all. Stay right there. We come back. More Rodney Perry Live. Fourth down, coach. What do we do? I'll tell you what we do. I want you to go on the field. Look for anyone with an O. Let's kill them. With kindness. Jimmy, I want you to make balloon animals. Tyler, make little tea cozy. Something fun. Are you okay? <laughs> We will win this for Mother Russia! Coach, eat a Snickers. Why is that, Chief? You get a little loopy when you're hungry. Better? Better. Now let's go work! Yeah! Yeah! Go get him, guys! 
Snickers satisfies. What's up, y'all? This is Rodney Perry. You're tuned in to Rodney Perry Live. We are back. And before I bring this lovely lady on the line, I've been debating on how to how to do this because I want to really showcase the new music. But you cannot talk to Jennifer Holiday. You cannot begin to chat with this lady without talking about a song that probably goes down in history as the top ten songs ever. That's right, I said it, ever. I want to play this song, and when we come back, we're going to talk to the lady herself. Ladies and gentlemen, from the original Dream Girls, I'm Not Going. Jennifer Holliday's rendition of this song is still, bar none, the coldest you ever going to hear. Put your hands together. That's right, wherever you at, stand up at your little desk, your little cubicle, put your hands together and show some love. Miss Jennifer Holliday. I'm not living 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is Rodney Perry. You're tuning in to Rodney Perry Live. That song is flat out amazing. Let's let's not hold it back any further. On the show today, Grammy Award winner, Tony Award winner, one of the most awesome human beings I've ever had a chance to meet, Miss Jennifer Holiday. How are you, ma'am? Thank you so much. I am doing wonderful. I want to tell you, that's the first time I've ever heard anybody to tell people to applaud. Uh, Clap your hands. From the radio. <laughs> you know, that kind of remind me. Uh, that kind of remind me of back in the day. Point your hand toward the television. And you excuse me. So that that took me back, Sarah. That took me back. I was like, he's going to make them applaud from their Oh, at, at your desk, wherever you at, you gotta clap for this lady, man. man Miss Holiday, first of all, thank you, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I'm such a fan, and I mean, as as I as I you know really you know try to prepare for this interview, I mean your body of work is so solid. L- let's talk about uh, this iconic song. Um, and your part in creating this character. Because I don't know if people really get that. Like, you were really instrumental in creating this this character, Effie. You you, you brought her to life. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you for, for saying that. Uh, because I think people just thought, you know, you, you I got a song and then somebody taught me how to sing it or something. It's like, no, <laughs> that wasn't how it was. Uh, they're from the whole inception of uh, of the song, the character Effie, they had already begun working with, but not had fine tuned it. So when I became became Effie, then a lot of things became tailored to me. But the song itself had not really been born to the magnitude of where um, it had those climbs and those builds and the breaks and things like that. No, because other than that, they could have gotten know anybody to sing it so dream girls was 32 years ago and um prior to us going on broadway we did what they call workshop where you where we worked on the character we worked on the whole show worked on the song so it took it was all it was a whole process of of uh being uh in on the ground floor you know so take me back to houston texas pleasant grove baptist church the choir. <laughs> the choir. The choir. Yes. You in the choir. Yes. You standing out. How? Take make take, connect the dots for me. Like, how, what is that jump? Like, who is the person that said, "Yo, lady, you need to." People need to know who you are. It is amazing because people always ask me, you know, they say, well, if you want to get into showbiz or you want to be seen or something, what do you need to do? I say, well, just be good at where you are. That's the first thing. So if you're, you know, if you're in a local play, you know, a local doing something where you can be seen and heard, you're going to come to someone's attention. You know, you may not have to really go anywhere, but be good at where you are, though. (laughs) You know, you can't just be stagnant. So. Um, now, I was young, 17 years old, singing in the, the church choir, and a touring production of a show called The Chorus Line came through Houston. A young man by the name of Jamie Patterson came to visit the church with a friend of, her, of his. He heard me singing. He said, you really have a voice that can work well 
on Broadway. Now, I hadn't really heard of Broadway. I didn't know what that was. And so he said, if something comes out, uh, up, you know, would you be interested? And I said, okay, sure. Never thinking he's going to call. Three months later, he calls, and he says, there is a show that's going out on the road called Your Arms Too Short, Tabasco God. I think you'll be perfect for it. I know the musical director, and they can get you an audition. And uh, that's what happened. I went, I auditioned, I got hired the same day. And that was 35 years ago. Wow, that's that's such mm-hmm. an awesome story. And I remember your arms too short to box with God because as in my memory, that play was the grandfather of what we see now in the black stage play. You guys precursored, you know, I mean, what we see now, and these guys are making all this tons of money. What was it like being on the road back then? Well, it was a, a, a new adventure for me, you know, coming straight out of high school, going, uh, you know, to number one to New York, and then number one right into showbiz. I had to grow up like really quick. I didn't even have any yeah. time to get acclimated, you know. And then to go out on the road to learn how to uh, to take care of yourself so that you can not be so tired, take care of your voice. And as you were saying earlier when you said on Saturday nights you have those three shows, well, it's not just like does your mind kind of go. It's also that your 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 adrenaline kind of mm-hmm. kind of goes too. So you really need the audience to give you that extra thing so you can go for them. So I had to do eight shows a week. So wow. you can imagine, you know, uh, how you just say, okay, I've got to do this again, you know. Um, so it was a learning, learning process, but I'm, I'm grateful for it because of the discipline that I had. I think that's why I still have a voice today, and I think that that's why um, maybe even my voice is even better than it was all of those years ago, because you have to really be disciplined, no drugs, no alcohol, you know, mm. um, you know, just no partying. You know, it was boring, but I'm alive, and I still got my voice, so it must, must be some kind of good formula. Yeah, let's speak to that, because, I mean, we're talking about an era where all of that stuff was prevalent, drugs, alcohol, oh. and you, you, made it, you made it out of there. Tell me this, when you, when you go, go to New York, what is... What does your family say? Because you're a good Christian girl. You st- you're a baby. You know, what What? What? the, the holiday family say? They, did anybody say don't go? Well, they didn't say don't go because they didn't want to have, my mother was the kind where she says, well, I don't want to say that you can't go and then later you'll resent me or for if, if it really was supposed to be something you were supposed to do. But I tell you what I, I will say is that when I got up there and I saw everything happen, I never made sure my mother could come up there <laughs> because I didn't bring her home. I ain't going to lie about that. Because I was like, okay. oh, my. I'm going to tell you, I had never seen, I mean, just bowls of cocaine, just just all kinds of things. I had never, I, I mean, I, I knew about homosexuality because, you know, they, they have, you know, down south in Texas, of course, I'm quite sure they have homosexual people down there. But when, when, you, when you get it from your grandmother and your mother, and they'll, they don't say it right out. They'll say, well, you know, honey, he got a little sugar in his tank, and you got to figure the rest of it out. You know right, what I'm right, saying? Right, right, That's right. as much as I knew. That is what, but when you get up there, I mean, it was very explicit. People kissing in the hall. People, I was like, what is going on up here? And my mother would say, well, how are things going up there? Oh, they just going to fight. Well, I was thinking about this. Well, you know, it's not a good time to visit. Not, not a good time now, to visit. Mama. Not now. 
so she she didn't really know because otherwise I think she would have brought me home, you know. Wow, man. Such an awesome story. Um, Dream Girls, an iconic production. You guys open on Broadway December 21st, 1981. That's right. Did, did you know, are you sick of this song? No, I'm happy to say that, I, that I've never uh, become sick of the song or sick of singing it. Um, mm. You know, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say that when I first sang it as a, as a young girl in, in 21, I just turned 21 when we opened um, uh, on Broadway. So I still was young, still not really knowing what it's like to be in love are uh, mm. in a relationship where you're, you know, having to, to fight and pull. So a lot of my stuff I took in terms of inspiration for, and I'm telling you, I'm not going, from my mother, you know, and in the sense that my mother loved my father so much and, you know, the thing about, you know, and I, I asked her, I did ask her one day and I said, well, you know, what happened with dad and whatever? She said, well, I asked him to stay and he said that he wanted to go. So that's where the whole thing, uh, you're saying, I'm saying, you know, that's where all of that came from. Wow. So I took that, yeah, so I took a lot of that from her her pain uh, of her just still loving my father after so, so many years, even after divorces and whatever like that. And so singing a song like that in the beginning where it's not your story, but then when you're growing up and you begin to have your own relationships, the song takes on different meanings. And then over the, uh, I hate to say this, over the decades, uh, as I began to grow, then the audience began to take the song for whatever they wanted, you know, and a lot of people would come up to me and say, you know, that song, you know, save my marriage. And I would say, good luck, because I ain't say none of mine. I'm so glad. I'm glad somebody's marriage is getting saved from me saying, go figure that. Okay? But, <laughs> Oh, my that, God. You know, but, you know, so as I've gone through it, I've never got tired of singing it. And like I said, um, it just began to take on so many different meanings. So now for me, it's not just a great love song, but it's a song of survival because I'm telling the world myself that I'm, I'm not going. I'm taking a stand for myself, fighting for my own uh, place and, and position. So, so I never make people you know, uh, have to beg to hear it, and I'm telling you, I don't make people pay extra to hear it, and I'm telling you, you know, I can't get out of no building without singing it and telling you, including Target, so it's just fine. It's like, okay, <laughs> Wait a minute. Let's, let's Did get you it say including with. Target? <laughs> including Target. It's like, okay. <laughs> I was in the Target one day, and the lady said, oh, my God, it's Jennifer Holiday. Jennifer Holiday, do you know you're in the Target? Yes, I do know I'm in the Target. Can I call my daughter? Oh, she goes, she goes, Jennifer Holiday in the Target. I was like, sing? No, you didn't. Put that phone down, girl. Put that phone down and let me check out. I was like, let me check out. Wow. I get what I'm singing and I'm telling you, not going. Man, man, ain't ain't that something? (laughs) It's great to hear the story uh, of your personal transition, too, because, you know, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you. Like, you you have a different understanding of that song as a grown-up than you would as a 17-year-old. But, man, right. you give you give so much of yourself, like, emotionally, you know, as a singer, man. It's like, um, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome to watch. 
uh, Miss Holiday. I mean, thank you. I, I, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm, you know, I'm. This is the thing. Let me tell you about Rodney Perry. I'm a real. I love music, and mm-hmm. I think music kind of it. Music becomes the soundtrack to your life, and so you know to sit here and have a conversation with you and to know your contribution you know to to us as black people i mean that that you know not only that song but i mean your your version of at last <laughs> thank you you kill this so cold thank I was you. Like, Jennifer Holiday, and then you got one of them names. Like, you ever thank your mama for the Jennifer? Jennifer Holiday is a great name. Thank you. Well, my mother's name was Jenny Holiday, so she just put a fur on there for me. She <laughs> <laughs> put a fur on there for me. <laughs> I, I love it. You got a new project coming out now. We're going to talk about that. We're going to take a quick break. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Roddy Perry. You tune in to Roddy Perry Live. We're talking to Miss Jennifer Holiday. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the new project. It's new music. New <laughs> music. Now when you're in Target, you got to ask for this new joint. I'm going to play it, too. <laughs> Don't go nowhere. This is Roddy Perry. You tune in to Roddy Perry Live. Check out Jennifer Holiday singing at last. Let me tell you something. This is shut the whole place down. At last, my love has come alone. My lonely days are over. Y'all, this is Roddy Perry. You tune in to Roddy Perry Live. Y'all stay right there. We'll be right back with more of the show. Don't go nowhere. If you're looking for the latest in comedy, news, and entertainment, the only place to go is the Humor Meal. Check out the website, humormealmag.com. Humor Meal, the only place for comedy, news, and entertainment. I see you, Frank. 
Every morning is the same. We say hi to Mrs. Williams. We let everybody and their mama merge. And the one bright spot? McDonald's, where we get one of those sweet and creamy iced coffees. Enjoy. Thank you. Caramel. Every day. Hazelnut? McCafe iced coffee. Vanilla, hazelnut, or caramel. The choice is yours. Tomorrow, we're going for a frappe. Who are you? The simple joy of surprising yourself. What's up, y'all? We are back. This is Rodney Perry. You're tuned in to Rodney Perry Live. We're talking to Miss Jennifer Holiday today. You can check her out on her Facebook page. I am Jennifer Holiday. All words spell like people supposed to spell it. Uh, I am Jennifer Holiday. On Twitter, she's at Lady J Holiday. And on Instagram, all right, Miss Jennifer, on Instagram, you got our Instagram page up. Okay, okay. I see you get your social media on. Um, I'm Jennifer Holiday official. I love it. I love that that, that you're doing this now. Now, Miss Holiday, I got to ask you this. Yeah. Uh, Effie was probably 60 pounds heavier than you are now. Does that affect your voice when you're smaller or a bigger person? No, Effie was uh, 150 pounds smaller than I than I am now. Are you yeah. serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, ain't playing. I was playing. a big girl. I was a, I was a big girl. I was a big girl. Yeah. I, but, I, how um, does a weight loss like that affect your voice, or does it? It does. It actually does. And um, uh, I had to retrain my voice, not like with voice lessons. I've never taken any professional voice lessons or anything like that. But I had to find where where the proper breathing and weight was, you know, because, you know, at one point when I was, you know, a big girl, I could I could eat a, a box of Popeye's chicken and a, and a liter of Coca-Cola and go right out there and sing. Now right. I'm getting, I can't, now I'm getting anything I eat with the food before it just makes me, makes me sick, you know, so I have to sing on an empty stomach. But you have to retrain. So it's almost kind of like a fighter has his fighting weight. If he's mm-hmm. a middleweight or if he's a heavyweight, then that was where I needed. So, so I wanted to make sure that my voice sounded the same. So I did have to, to retrain it. And I did a lot of that through my working out. Like I would try to sing while I was doing aerobics, sing while I'm on the treadmill, sing mm-hmm. to see if I can get it going. Where, where is, it, where is that, that place? and build up uh, my stamina again. Now, I, I know, you know, of course, Monique is a, is a close friend of mine, and she's she's on a weight loss journey. And the big thing she gets is because she was so vocal against skinny, you know, women <laughs> that, you know, the big girls felt like she abandoned them. Did you ever feel anything like that? Was, was, was the sisters like, hey, come on, Jennifer, you was one of us. And now you all skinny and cute. Well, see, I didn't do a lot of interviews when I was so so far. I didn't have no voice. I didn't have nothing on record for nobody to protest. So, oh. so therefore, <laughs> that's that's why my mouth is shut a great deal of time because mm. because people say why you don't do a lot of interviews. I said because I don't need to try to go back and remember what I said. I already know what I said because it's only a few interviews. So no, no one, no one felt abandoned by me because I was not. I was never saying that I that I was happy 
nor did I feel it was great. You know, Oprah did the same thing too, you know. She yeah. Was, when she had gained her way back and, oh, and I'm so happy and I'm never, you know, they, they do that because it's a, a lie they need to believe, you know. Mm, but when wow. I lost weight, I was like, I don't care who don't like it or get mad at me because this was a dream of mine not to have the weight, and I never knew how I could could get it off. And so I had to, I was just um, telling somebody, um, uh, Daniel Moore, you know Daniel. Um, yeah, that's my from, man, good from, guy. Um, yeah, yeah, good guy, and uh, he produced most of this album, but he had someone make an awkward comment to him to associate his gift with uh, uh, something that he was doing, you know, with, with his hair and everything. I said, right. hey, people, people do that because they they need that. And I had to, about three years where I didn't get really any work, and it was a long time to get people to accept me being a smaller Jennifer with the same voice. So it wasn't wow. until I got on Ally McBeal that David Kelly gave me a job, and that's when people started saying, oh, she, okay, it's okay for her to look all right, and she can still sing, so we're okay. But it took me being on that show five and a half seasons for people to get used to hearing my voice coming out of a different body. Man, I mean, you you are definitely a bona fide actress. You know, whether it's you know, I'm going to get you sucker the five heartbeats, <laughs> or or, or like you. you said, your your role on uh, Ally McBeal, and 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 I'm I'm a, a, touched by an angel. That's my joint. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah, I've really been lucky in that way. Now we're here. You got the new project. Uh, let's talk about that, man. The name of the uh, CD, the song is you. What does that mean? Well, it's a um, the album is a collection of of love songs, some jazz standards, and some R and B classics. Mostly all cover tunes except one song. So I wanted to show, you know, basically how I've grown, uh, you know, over the years, even though, you know, yes, I still sound the same, don't mind singing them, telling you, whatever, but I have grown as a musician, as an artist as well. So I do big band, I do symphony dates, um, just got back from St. Louis with the St. Louis Symphony, and I do big band dates. And so this song, the this, this song is you, is an old Frank Sinatra jam, and I just wanted to take it and put a different spin on it with a big band. I used um, the uh, Joe's Granson and uh, the uh, big brass band from Cafe 290 here in Atlanta to, yes. to do that. Mm-hmm. Man, you, I tell you what, them boys be jamming up there too. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. So I just wanted to, you know, wanted to um, show the different side. And as I mentioned to you that Daniel Moore produced the majority of the CD, but what people would be amazed to know is that he did the majority of the CD when he was 27 years old. So wow. this is not even what he's capable of doing now, so I'm hoping that we'll get together to work again because this was done when he was younger, and now that he's matured and has, has done so well now, I would love to, to work with him again. But for this album, he's, he's done he's, that arrangement of At Last, um, he did did that um, and um, uh, uh, dance song touch all of these uh, all of that was him and what was amazing at that time I really didn't want to go back in the studio but he encouraged me he was my musical director we were out on the road and he's saying you know 
you want to record again? And I was like, I haven't been in the studio. In fact, I hadn't been in there so long. I had, was mad at Daniel because I said, okay, they're disrespecting me. And he said, well, Jennifer, what's wrong? I said, they don't even have the tape up. He said, oh, okay, <laughs> they don't use tape no more. No, they don't use that. <laughs> Okay, and he, I said, well, where does the music and everything go? He said, right into the Pro Tools. I said, well, I don't need my voice fixed. He said, well, Jennifer, they don't use Pro Tools just for fixing voices anymore. Everything go. oh, I was mad. He was like, okay, you want to calm down here. You want to calm down, you know. Oh, so my God. Whole process, and I, and I appreciate him because he was very young, and so me uh, being private, so he had to spend a lot of hours with me with just – you know, just with me, you know, because I'm very kind of closed, you know, and so therefore just him helping me, teaching me, guiding me, he came up with all of those arrangements, um, you know, in, in working with me, and I'm telling you, the, this was, you know, he's only 27 years old at that at that point, you know, mm-hmm. and so you, that tells you a lot about his, uh, you know, sometimes they say people been here before, you know, it was like he had a knowledge of putting all of the musicians together. I didn't know any musicians. He got all of the musicians together here. A lot of them worked for me, but they they worked out of just, you know, his word, saying, hey, I'm working on this project. I need you all to come. And, and he basically put the whole thing together for me. So I'm very grateful to him uh, that he would have the kind of maturity uh, as such a young man to tap yeah. to. Uh, an artist like myself and, and, and cover me and protect me and make sure I sound good and make sure I have the support that I need. So very happy, very happy indeed. Shouts out to Daniel Moore. That's I, He's at I am Daniel Moore on Twitter, man. Just a good guy too, man. I, you know, one thing being on the Monique show, I got a chance to meet with some, meet some great, amazing human beings. And so, uh, and, and you're one of those people. I got to ask you this. And and um, when they start to, to work on the Dream Girls movie, did they consult with you at all? Did, I mean, do do they? Uh, you, uh, maybe they don't have to, but you know, you would think with a song that's really kind of your arrangement being the focal part of the movie, did, did they? Did anybody go, Hey Jennifer, what you think? No, they um, they they did not come to try and. Uh, have me involved in the movie at all. And I think, you know, and even though that's like customarily, usually what people do if they're portraying someone, uh, either life or a role that they originated or something, usually uh, 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 they go back that route. But I think what they were trying to do back then was create such a generational gap. Like as mm. if Green Girls Number One had never, as if the play had never existed, and then as if this was something new that had never been done before. And fortunately uh, for me, because at that time it was mostly uh, YouTube, someone posted my performance of the Tony Awards, and so that's when people said, "Okay, wait a minute." So somebody did this before the movie. And they were like, yeah, yeah. it was a place. So then all of the young people were saying, well, let's, well, let's find her. Where is she? And, 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 and I know that that's, like, so strange that something that now this new generation, these millennials, these young people would say, this is real, so I want to I wanna know about it. So they're the ones, the young people are the ones who 
who said, you know, well, forget the young person. Let's go to the let's go to the one who originated, and they began right. to be my fans, and that's that's also what what kind of brought me back out and and uh, to start to say I want to do this CD because this will be my first one in 23 years. My last one was I'm on your side, which also wow. did very well, but but I hadn't made uh, any new music, uh, you know, in all of that time. So uh, a lot of this was because of the young people, but because that one person um, uh, posted, and I'll never forget his name, his name is Keith Bullock. Uh, he posted it, and it went, like, all over the world, and people were saying, well, who is this lady? Well, where is she? Well, who, well, who didn't, uh, well, we never, we didn't even know that there was a play. I mean, people didn't even really know that there was wow. a Broadway play. Mm-hmm. That, that's so absurd to me that people don't know that. Well, I mean, you know, we don't, we don't keep the, you know, we don't keep the history of it, you know, because yeah. even when, um, even when Oprah had the, the cast on, uh, on her show, she didn't invite any of us on, on there, you know, mostly like they do with the rest of the people, they go, okay, whatever. She didn't invite any of us, and it was Eddie right. Murphy who said, it was Eddie Murphy who said, you know what, there was a play before, and I had seen it on Broadway. I saw the, the play on Broadway. He was the only one that even mentioned that there was a Broadway show. So people kind of, kind of, I guess, dis, discounted it, you know, along the way. And into my own, I take my own part, too, in the fact that, I, as an artist, let my fans down because I did become a very reclusive person. And I think that had I stayed a little bit more present, they wouldn't have been able to to do it. And, um, you know, in the sense, and one time I was on a plane on the way out to Vegas and, um, you know, very privileged to ride first class. And a lady, you know, kind of sat next to me and she, she was talking about the movie. And so she said, oh, yeah, well, you know, Jennifer Holiday died. I said, Jennifer Holiday died? I said, oh, my God. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, my God. And she said, yeah, that's why she wasn't in the movie, because she died. I said, oh, my God. Wow. So when the lady bent over and they were giving, ready to give us uh, dinner, and the stewardess said, Miss Holiday, um, would you like the chicken or the beef? You know, and I'm telling her I would like chicken. So the lady next to me, she said, oh, I feel so stupid. She said, you're Jennifer Holiday. I said, no, lady, I'm the one that's stupid that I even let my time left that you would think that I'm dead. I said, I need to get myself out from behind this and move forward, fight for myself, uh, take myself out here and show people that not only I'm still alive, but I still got it. So sometimes we as artists, too, could not, you know, if we're not shining, then that doesn't mean that everybody's doing something to us. That means sometimes we're not believing enough in ourselves to do what we should be doing to shine. Wow, awesome, awesome. Thank you, man. Just thank you for that word right there. Um, the lead single from the new album. But I, I definitely okay. want to co- cover this before before we talk about that. Is Are you, are you Cheryl Lee Ralph, Loretta Devine? Are y'all, do y'all do anything? Do y- is there an event? Is, is there, do y'all have a, a reunion? Man, I think that would be dope. Well, I, I think that it could be probably something that we could do, you know, at some point. Now, Shirley Raff has an, an an annual event every year called Diva Simply Singing. So that event has kept us all together just by itself because we usually try to support her. It raised, 
you know, lots of money for AIDS, and she's had that organization for years, and that has been her project, and all of us have helped a lot with that. Now, she and Loretta are closer because they do, you know, TV and movies. By me doing music, I don't get to see them, you know, as often, you know, but I think it would be a a great idea to do something. Man, and you're such a, a philanthropist. I mean, everything from the MS Society to the Lupus Foundation, uh, I mean, you, you did constant uh, help for AIDS and HIV. Um, what's your passion? What's, what's Jennifer Holliday's passion in terms of, you know, giving back? Well, um, it, it, it's twofold. Number one, I've just always dreamt of, giving back, you know, to to the community and to people that do do love people. And then number two, I found that when you're giving it takes takes your mind off your own problems, your own situation. And I myself I have multiple sclerosis. I've had it for seventeen years. I've been blind and I've been paralyzed. I've also wow. suffered many years um with clinical depression. And so out of that giving made me not focus so much on my own situation. And sometimes you find a healing by by just going towards trying to heal someone else. You get your healing too. You know, it's kind of like, wow, you know. So so it's twofold that the reason why I help so many people. I wish that I could help more. Uh, I, you know, I'm not a wealthy person, so I can't really, like, just send a check. So, But I'm grateful that my name draws, uh, enough people to come and to pay to give to charity, so that's why um, you know that's why I, I use my name and and get out there and help people uh, raise for many many different causes. So awesome, man, Miss Jennifer Holiday. I cannot thank you enough for coming on today. You've given us so many jewels. This was just a delightful chat. Um, the song, the lead single, is called "Touch." Tell us about it, and then we're gonna play it. Okay, well, it was originally recorded by Ray Charles and John Legend, and it was on the CD Genius Love Company. And so ah. I took the song to Daniel and, and just asked him, could he rework it for where a female could sing it, you know, mostly me, and what would come up. So um, he and a, uh, another young man, uh, Dre, uh, Dre Bowman, uh, who lives out in L.A. now, but a great bass player, incredible bass player, rhythm. But they put that together for me, and uh, a lot of people like it. It's kind of like a, a old school, um, I, I don't know, kind of a kind of groove. You kind of people don't rock no more, but it's kind of got to <laughs> make you rock. <laughs> Jennifer's rocking. That's what I'm saying. I'm gonna rock to it. I don't know what dance they do now, but I'll be rocking to it. <laughs> Hey, Miss Jennifer, I'm rocking with you. Hey, I'll again. Be I'll be doing the bump. Kevin, you do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'll be doing, the bump. <laughs> hey, man, thank you again for coming on. We're playing the song. The name of the song is Touch. It's Jennifer Holiday, and the album, the, the CD, I don't know. I know. I'm old. I'm saying album. The album, the song is you. You can pick that up. That that's on all of, all the outlets, right? They can get that now. Well, it's it's at Target everywhere, and okay. um, yes, yeah, at Target everywhere. It's at Barnes and Noble, Best Buy, and uh, you can of course download it on online. Love it on now. That's that's iTunes, y'all. Not on not downloaded free. <laughs> Pay for it. 
You gotta tell you gotta tell people, Miss Jennifer, they they'll be like, Jennifer said download it. You know, no, no, no. <laughs> Don't do that. Hey, hey, hey Jennifer, thank you so so much. Um, awesome interview. We playing a song. The name of the song is Touch Y'all. Hey, hey, and stay right there. I got I got something else for y'all when I come back. Okay. Yeah. Love you. You do to make me always feel alright You know I can't leave you, baby Your pleasures in those lonely nights oh. Feelings come and feelings go In and out like an ocean tide But now I'm I do with my last five hours? Let's see. I was a dietitian, a housekeeper, a pediatrician. Yeah, that was a third degree boo-boo. A housekeeper, a sanitation engineer, a housekeeper. Good thing I have five-hour energy to keep me. Just then, uh, I guess we gotta clear this shit up before we get going. Uh, but down low, brothers, make some noise. Down low. <laughs> 
It used to be just the women that had to worry about these guys. Fellas, you got to worry about the down low. They say the down low brother can look at you. I see if you're down with that bullshit. They say they can look at you, dog. Let me tell you something. I don't even make eye contact with dudes no more. You understand me? I don't look at no dude more than a couple seconds. Boom, and I move on. And I keep blinking so he can't get no bead on me. You got to blink. Because the down low brother never blink. He go his whole life without blinking. Just right here waiting on you to slip up. All right, y'all. It's Rodney Perry. I am back in full effect. Let me stop this. I got this Hey, y'all. This is your boy, Rodney Perry. I am back. Uh, we had a, a little uh, technical difficulty, but we are back in full effect. I got to bring my man on the line. I thought y'all could hear me. I don't know if y'all heard my intro of this guy, but let me just get him on the line, and let's talk about the event he got coming up. Dichotomy, you on live. Roddy Perry live. Hey, what's going on, Rodney? How you doing? What's up, man? Did, did you hear my intro? I did not hear a word of your intro, man. God dang, boy, boy I was going in, man. Okay, let me do it again. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this dude is, bar none, one of my favorite poets. Um, just an awesome individual. He always supported me. I look out in the audience, uh, I think Valentine's night or Saturday night, and he's sitting in the crowd with his lady. Just a good cat. Welcome to the show, Dichotomy. You know, you can go to his website. He's at mydichotomy.com. If you don't know how to spell dichotomy, shoot yourself in the foot. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you. It's D-I-C-H-O-T-O-M-Y. You can check him out on Facebook at Dichotomy. He's on Twitter. He's at Dichotomy Poetry. I'm sorry. Dichotomy Poetry on Facebook. Dichotomy Poetry on Twitter. And Dichotomy Poetry on Instagram. Tell me about what's cracking at our Oral, oral fixation? Oral. Oral. You, yeah. Okay, because that's not you. can spell dichotomy, but we can't. We, we, you can spell dichotomy, no, no, but we can't pronounce oral. That's how we, we, that's how, that's we, how it works. We, we, we can't. We can't. I can't. But, you know, I'm I'm extra black. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the oral fixation is the birthday yes, edition to Stilettos and Prose, man, why, why you got to do the birthday so big, man? Why you got to take it to the next level? Well, you, you know, it's 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 my birthday, but it's really kind of my gift or, or me trying to, to give back. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm a poet myself, and poetry for a long time, I don't think, has necessarily gotten, you know, a lot of the respect that it deserves. And so, you know, not that there's anything wrong with it, but a lot of times yeah. we have been stuck to performing in coffee houses and things like that. And with Atlanta being, you know, such a big, you know, party city, I've often been told that people aren't going to come out on a weekend night to listen to poetry and music and that kind of thing. And so I figured what better way to prove them wrong than to put on an event that's going to do just that. And that's what we're doing. We, you know, we've rented out 595 North, which is a large event venue here in Atlanta. You know, we're going to get dressed up. We're encouraging ladies to come out, put on the best pair of stilettos. We're going to have a stiletto contest. We've got some amazing poets from here locally in Atlanta and all across the U.S. It's just going to be celebrating the art. You know, my goal in it is, is really kind of twofold. One is to expose people who may not have traditionally listened to poetry and may not think that they like spoken word to kind of expose oh. them to the art, uh, and then to give some phenomenal, phenomenal artists that may not have a platform to be able to reach, you know, this type of crowd to kind of give them that platform. So that's what I'm trying to do, and that's really kind of, you know, where the idea for oral fixation came from. Man, man you, you constantly are a champion to the poetry community. And, like, it, I look at, like, being a stand-up comedian, I mean, we are kind of involved in similar arenas, 
but it, I, I look at comedians as the stepchild of entertainment. Like you got, you got your, you know, your big time actors and then your big time singers, and then somewhere down the line is the comics. Well, and then a little bit further down the line, is the further comics. down is y'all, <laughs> and it's, it's really, man, what do we have to do in your opinion, dichotomy, to get people to really understand? You know what spoken word is. I had this conversation with Georgia Me, and I mean, how do we get y'all more visible? I mean, outside of what deaf poetry was, and now we have uh, the show on TV One, you know, verses and flows, but that's mm-hmm. still not enough. How do we get more word out? Well, I think one of the biggest things is that you know us as poets have to take a much greater responsibility. Uh, I think for a while we tried to depend on other avenues, other entertainment avenues to kind of be able to expose us to the masses. So we looked at like a deaf poetry, we look at Verse and Flow, which are definitely um, great shows, but they're kind of confined and the number of people that they can have on those shows is limited. So I think as poets, we need to do our own events. Uh, just recently, a couple of weeks ago, Tommy Bottoms um, here in Atlanta put on a phenomenal, phenomenal um, play, Educated Gangster, which infused you know, the the play in addition to poetry. I think we need to do more things like that to kind of expose people. So, you know, we can sit and, and wait on the entertainment, um, you know, venues to, to try to look to expose us. But I think that we need to try to take, a, you know, a, a greater action in, in doing it ourselves. And that's what I'm trying to do with oral fixation and, and kind of across the board. So if we're not going to get, um, you know, the respect that we think the art form deserves, then it's incumbent upon us to, to demand it. So. Um. Give me this. Give me what's the difference between a person that writes poetry and a spoken word artist? Yeah, so I, I mean, I think, you know, it kind of goes a little bit further than that. I mean, for me, I believe that there's a difference between, you know, a, a writer and an author, an author and a poet, and a poet and a spoken word artist. And I think the thing about a spoken word artist is that you have to be able to encompass all those other things. You know, a, a writer mm. understands the English language and has the ability to take thoughts and ideas and, and express them in, in a written format. Um, an author kind of can take that and then put it in somewhat of a of a story um, form. So it can take that thought and idea and kind of convey it in a message or a story for, you know, people to read. Uh, and taking it one step further, you know, poets, have the ability to express themselves through a po- uh, through a poetic format. So whether it be you know a, a specific format in and of itself uh, or or not, uh, it, it really kind of has that you know poetic influence to it. And the spoken word author, uh, spoken word artist, has to be able to do all those things. Right? They have to understand the English language. They have to be able to tell a story. They are doing it in a poetic format, uh, but they're also you know adding a little bit of act. I don't want to say acting, but they're kind of bringing it to life in the physical form. So I think, you know, the, to me, uh, the, the spoken word artist is, is you know, the um, kind of the master of all of those things and be able to bring each of those different talents um, and, and encompassing them into, you know, a single art form. Man, you, you, you are like one of my favorite poets because of the way you write, you know. And, and this is what I like because po- – Poetry can be like comedy in this respect. Poets, male poets, tend to kind of kiss women's butt. You know, <laughs> it's like you know, you know. Let's do another one for the ladies. You you got your poems for the ladies, but you you rock stuff that a dude be wanting to say. I, I think that's just dope. 
you know, yeah, I'm, I'm how not... deliberate are you with your subject matter, you know, as you as you create and you write? I mean, I think it's it's you, you hit the nail on the head. I'm, I'm very deliberate, as deliberate as you are, you know, as a comic, right? And so if I look at the different topics that you touch upon, I think, you know, as poets, we have a responsibility um, to, to be somewhat of the social consciousness of, of our communities and really kind of, you know, of the world. I, I say all the time that poetry is what – uh, what rap used to be. And so, you know, in that, you definitely want to have poems that, you know, encourage females and talk about love and do all of those things. Uh, but you also have a responsibility to, to talk about the other sides of it. You know, what, what responsibilities do women have and what role do they play in a lot of the ways that relationships end up? But then you also have to talk about, you know, the social issues as well. So, you know, for me, I really want to try to be diverse and versatile and, and talk about things that women can relate to, but also talk about things that men can relate to because a lot of times, you know, a lot of people feel the same way that I feel. They just don't have the way to be able to express it in a poetic format. And so, you know, in me being able to do that, it allows, you know, just like through comedy or songs or anywhere else, a, a number of people to kind of get their, their point across through, you know, one of my poems. Now, now, in this day and age dichotomy, we uh, we as artists, you know, social media has become king. Uh, mm-hmm. How important is social media to you personally building your brand? I think social media is, is very important, right? And it kind of goes back to what we talked about as far as exposure. You know, there there was a time where you were kind of literally confined to whatever your geographic area is. Uh, and now, you know, because you have, you know, social media, which has a, you know, national and, and, and international worldwide implications, you do not have the ability to get your poems and your message out to the masses. And it's important that you do that. I mean, from a poetry standpoint, you know, poetry is something that's very personal. A lot of times it, it is the thoughts and ideas of that particular individual, uh, and you want to be able to convey that in a matter that others can relate to. And at the end of the day, as a poet, you don't, you may not necessarily want everybody to agree with what it is that you're saying, but if you can evoke some conversation, then you've accomplished, you know, what it is that you want to accomplish. So in being able to evoke that conversation and, and start that dialogue between, you know, the people that may be listening, then that really kind of helps you in not only getting your message out, but in, in pushing the art form as itself forward. I think, you know, one of the biggest things that, that we need to do as artists is not only do it for ourselves, but make sure that we, you know, have other, you know, encourage other poets and support other poets. And that's why you know, I'm really excited about the lineup that I have for Oil Fixation, because it's going to be a, a, a number of poets that have never performed in Atlanta and Atlanta's never seen and, and kind of vice versa. They kind of have the ability to do that. So I think that it's incumbent of us to continue to support each other. Man, man, you, you're doing that on so many levels. This, this when I know somebody is dope as a poet. One, I got, I got two litmus tests. Tests. Um, Hank, Hank Stewart. Mm-hmm. If Hank say you somebody, I stop and go. <laughs> let me take a listen. Hank gave you the green light. You know that mm-hmm. already puts your pedigree through the roof. Then my next person I go to is Georgia Me. Mm-hmm. Georgia me with Georgia me first of all, Georgia me is the realest person in the world. So you if she don't know. like you, she she gonna be like, Rod, man, that old punk yeah. man, that dude, man, that no, that dude ain't that dude whack dog. That dude whack dog, you know that dude whack. She she dog, Georgia me speaks so highly of you. What's yeah, it like I'm, to I'm, have those type of poets welcome you into their world? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm extremely grateful, right? I mean, every time that I go and, and, and look to, to try to perform, or, or, you know, I can't believe that it kind of got to this point. You know, I did my first poem uh, or put my first seat out in 2007. And, you know, from Hank's standpoint, I'd be remiss if I didn't give him a lot of credit for, you know, that. Because what Hank has allowed me to do is not just to help me grow, you know, as a poet, but as a person and as a man and giving back to the community and making sure that we are, you know, doing things for other people. So I hold a very high regard for Hank uh, because he recognized the poetry aspect of it, uh, and he he did help me in that regard. But even more so, you know, he gave me a platform to really do a number of the different things that I want to do and really showed me, you know, how to give back and be a man. And once you have you know, this little bit of notoriety or whatever the case may be, using that to help others that are around you. And as far as, you know, George and me is concerned, you know, she's really the, the, the godmother of poetry. Nothing, No poetry happens in Atlanta without going through Georgia and me, right? So you kind of have to have <laughs> right. her blessing. So, it, you know, for her to open me, to welcome me with open arms and, and really kind of encourage me and recognize what I do. I mean, I talk to her uh, on a fairly recent basis, and she's encouraged me when I need to be encouraged. She put me in my place when I need to be, you know, put in my place. And I think, you know, to have those type of people around you to kind of keep you honest and keep you humble but also help you move forward, I'm extremely, extremely thankful to have that. So let's bring it full circle. All fixation is mm-hmm. uh, it's upon us March 1st. And uh, who, who you got coming out? Who, can you tell us? Yeah, well, so I, I'll, I'll go ahead and let you know a couple of people. Drop some names over, dog. Because, you know, I, 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 you know I, I, I know the poetry world. Right, right. So, I, actually, I just had a conversation earlier this week, and I did confirm that, uh, you know, one of the, Queen Sheba is going to, uh, she's going to be coming through, and she's going to be love performing her. that oral fixation. Yeah. But even, you know, really what I wanted to try to do is, outside of the poetry, just have a lot of, of you know, the other arts too. So Melvin Miller, you know, the jazz trumpeteer, he's gonna come yeah. through and he's gonna he's gonna do some things uh from a musician standpoint. We've got uh Tony Tatum who's an amazing vocalist here in Atlanta. He's gonna come through and perform and you know, outside of the poets. So we've got, you know, people like uh Devery Brooks, Red Riding Hood, a number of people that are coming up from Florida to perform, in addition wow. to a number of local poets here like, you know, Lauren Doriana, T J Nicole. So it's it's really gonna be a very, very wide range of poets and poetry and, and subject matter. So if it's something that you like or if you, if you don't like it, I, I guarantee you that by the time you leave that event, you'll have a completely different perspective of what you thought um, spoken word was. Let me tell you all something. Do yourself a favor. Go to Oral Fixation. It's stilettos and pros. Ladies, get your shoes on and be fly. And, and, and before before I close this interview out, I, I got to be honest, man. I got beef with you, Dichotomy. I know you don't know about this. I got beef with you. Okay. Me and Dichotomy hosted the Hank Stewart event last year. <laughs> and Dichotomy, I, he been shopping. He went shopping on me. I, I I thought I would go casual. You know, man, you came with the coldest suit of all. Did you have the, the socks was cold? Go, man. I'm still upset about that. But the thing about it, though, Rodney, is that every time I've ever seen you anywhere, right, you've always been dressed, in, you know, impeccably. At the comedy show, you know, you had the nice little brim on. You had the tuxedo. Like, I've always seen you. And since you, you know, have a bone to pick with me, I've got a bone to pick with you, you know, too. So you're right. I, I, I was 
at the, the comedy show yesterday, but that was actually a group of people, and that was Journey, the poet kiss that was there, you know, at the show. I, I know that was, was Journey. I'm there with my lady. I know, but you was like, I'm there with my lady, so I'm like, let me go. Oh, ahead I'm sorry. I remember seeing your face. Let me say, I did see your face. I, now, I wasn't calling her your lady, though. I, I, I just assumed you was with somebody else. That's, okay. that's really what, it was an assumption, but I, I know right. that's not your lady. I know that. Yeah. Uh, but go. So, no, no <laughs> but real quick, I, you know, I do, I do want to say, so, you know, oil fixation is, is going to be great. We talked about, you know, kind of Hank making sure that we give back. So I would be remiss if I didn't really talk about one of the, you know, what oil fixation is going to benefit. So there's two, um, you know, things that are really, really near and dear to my heart. I lost my mother um, two days after Mother's Day last year, and we started a scholarship fund in her name. Um, so it's the Hockett Williamson Scholarship Fund. So uh, the proceeds from oil fixation are going to benefit that. Uh, and then in addition to that, uh, if you all could go to heartsofsteel.org, um, there is a really close cool friend of mine, Ian Weeks, uh, who is on the list for a heart transplant. And so, you know, obviously yeah, all the benefits. I, I know him and I know him family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I want to yeah. make sure that, you know, we're, we're partying with a purpose, so we're going to have a good time, but there are also two, you know, kind of very important things that are near and dear to me that, that you will be able to support and you will be supporting by coming out on that night. So I want to make sure I let that be known. Man, what's the foundation uh, to, 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 uh, for your mom again, man? So that's the uh, the Hockett uh, Williamson uh, Scholarship Fund. Uh, so it okay. has my uh, my grandfather and and, uh, and and her name in that, uh, and then Hearts of Steel. So we've actually uh, awarded the uh, one of the first scholarships at White Linen um, to an amazing young young lady, and so we're looking to try to do that again this year. So you know, all of the uh, you know anybody. What's the, what's the four, criteria four, for the scholarship? Well, so the the interesting thing is is that it's the scholarship is really kind of geared towards those students who you know are looking to go to college. However, they may not necessarily have the best grades. I know that when I was coming up, you know, I, I did that. have you know some decent grades, and a lot of times you go through or you overcome some hardships, um, and that may affect your grades. But that doesn't necessarily, and because of that, you may not have the ability to get scholarships that only may merely look at test grade or you know test scores. Or, or grades, and so really what ends up happening is we have the students write an essay, you know, kind of on, you know, what they've done to overcome and how they've been successful in school despite those hardships, and we really try to look for those students who aren't at the top of their class but, you know, are going to go to college and do need some financial help because, you know, we know that, that they are there, and, and a lot of times they get overlooked. So that's really kind of, you know, how we go about it. Awesome, man. Um, ladies and gentlemen, you hear the man. His name is Dichotomy. He's um, a producer. He's a host, he's a poet, he's a writer, he's an author, he's doing so many things. The, the name of the event is All Fixation, that's A-U-R-A-L, Fixation, and that's at 595 North, beautiful space, right here in Atlanta, Stilettos and Pros, Saturday, March 1st. 2014, man, I wish you all the luck in the world on this event. Hearts of Steel is going to be benefiting also the Hockey yep. Williamson Scholarship Fund, man. You, you're doing on on so many levels, man. I, I, I'm, I'm happy for you and proud of you, man, because you're just one of those guys. Let me reiterate all your social media. Uh, the website is mydichotomy.com, and he's he's synergized every other thing. It's at Dichotomy Poetry, and that's right. on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, man, I can't thank you enough for coming on, bro. 
and, no and problem. congratulations. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank you for again for giving me this platform and taking the time out. I did listen to the the, uh, the Jennifer Holiday um, you know uh, interview, and it's amazing you know the things that she's doing. Uh, and so I appreciate you even allowing me to to take some time on your show. Uh, to kind of talk about some of the things that I that I do, so I would be, you know, again, I want to make sure that I thank you for even giving me this opportunity. Let me tell you something, Vincent Hockett. Whatever you need, <laughs> you got it from Rodney Perry. You hear me? <laughs> yes, <laughs> That's sir. Real. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, man. Again, man. Thanks for coming on. Hey, ladies and gentlemen. Without any, you know what? Hold on. Wait. Before. I... Wait. Wait. I'm. 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 I'm tripping. I'm tripping. I can't have dichotomy come on the show without dropping a poem, can I? <laughs> Uh, okay, I thought I was gonna get away with it. I thought I was. God damn, you almost did. I almost, man, I almost messed that up. Go ahead, man. What you got? Okay, so I'm gonna do a uh, a poem um, real quick. Actually, it's something that uh, I wrote uh, a while back. Obviously, with everything that has occurred with Trayvon Martin and Jordan Davis, everybody has different, you know, kind of perspectives or thoughts on that. Uh, and and for my you know, my, my thing is is that, you know, observance has never facilitated change. So while we sit and we observe a lot of things, there has to be some kind of call to action. So this form is basically my, my call to action. So too often we fall short of doing what we should do. And the plight of a people often fall on the shoulders of a select few. It's true. Because too often we miss the signs when they are in plain view. If you don't believe me, here's a clue. Who remembers Troy Davis. You see, he remained relevant for as long as he was alive. Because soon after he died, all the people that cried for what they deemed to be an injustice in their eyes had their status updates replaced with lines from the latest episode of Basketball Wives. We have the nerve to look in each other's eyes and say, well, at least we tried. When the truth is, black folks have always gotten more accomplished when we plan. But unfortunately, revolutions aren't conducive to short attention spans, and movements are the opposite of being reclusive to which we stand. So tell me, what do we do that now yet another young man has had his life taken by someone putting the law into their own hands, and the law is laying down because we refuse to stand? Sufferers of injustice have never depended on the government to alleviate its problems. They realized that oftentimes the government didn't see it in their best interest to solve them, so it was the responsibility of those involved in to figure out a way to resolve them. And oftentimes that meant without having the best hand, you had to be willing to go all in. And if their oppressor thought you was bluffing, you dared them to call them. You don't believe me? Look at Montgomery, 1955, 381 days of walking. But in these days, we can see a young man jump and shot, and we're too concerned about balling. It becomes a whole lot easier to bite the hand that feeds you, and after you've eaten, you are still starving. Who hungry for truth, justice, and respect? But what do we expect when most men that look like me are perceived to be a suspect, suspected of breaking laws, have never used to protect us? Dr. Joseph Lowry once said that if you don't know where you came from, then you have no idea when someone is trying to take you back. Back to a time when they could legally kill you, and when asked, respond with he was suspicious and he was black. See, there are some striking similarities between now and then, and they are looking at a, to take advantage of an intelligence that they say you lack. Ten years from now, ask you who's Trayvon Martin or Jefferson Davis, and I guarantee you somebody will say who's that. The present isn't too far from the past, and we have to search for the truth in American history, but they tend to lose facts, So the fact is we've got to keep our own. And that means we have to start talking to our kids like they are grown. Because even though they are children, they have to deal with adult situations, and who knows when they'll be facing having to deal with someone else's actions when, in fact, they did nothing wrong. And it's our responsibility to prepare our kids for these things before they are gone. 
because we can't wait for there to be another Jefferson or Trayvon before we decide to save one. Because this is going to take a whole lot more than posing for a picture in a hoodie with a bag of candy. The question is, can we remain focused on the ultimate goal and remain determined to seek the truth when most youth are going to be happy with whatever story the news hands me? There's going to come a time when the media no longer cares about what happens to Jefferson and his family, and that is truly where we see what you stand, see. The race is never given to the swift or strong, but to he who endures until the end. That's when your voice has to become louder than your pen. Your words followed by action. We cannot allow our determination to fade. We've got to stop counting on others to come to our aid, and we've got to take care of our own and realize that no person can do this alone. And if charity begins at home, then we must recognize that outside of it, hindrance isn't too far gone. Ask yourself, what would have happened differently if David had not cast that stone? If he had seen Goliath and decided not to be willing to fight? And even though our actions will never change the events of that day or that night, we can change the events that lead into every night after. So ask yourself this, how will I get involved to help resolve the bigger issues? Because whether or not you believe a word I say, there's one thing that remains true. The problem will continue. And the only person that can help change that is you. So what will you do? Wow. Awesome, man. Hey, y'all, there's nothing else to say. The man is dichotomy. The event is all fixation. Be a part of it. March 1st. Go to the website. That's mydichotomy.com, right? Mydichotomy.com. Dichotomy Poetry. Yeah. Real quick, I'm sorry. You can get tickets at oral-fixation.eventbrite.com. So if you want to go ahead straight to the website and get tickets at oral, the A-U-R-A-L-fixation.eventbrite.com. Uh, so thank you. Love it, love it, love it. But is, is there, do you have a link on on your website too, though, right? Yeah, 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 we can do that. Got it. Okay, mydichotomy.com, that, you know, black people can't get them. You get black people a dot, they be a mess up a dot, 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 dot event, right? Nah, they gonna, they gonna mess that up. Okay. All right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, without even further ado, thank you once again to Mr. Dichotomy. The uh, birthday soiree goes down March 1st. It's the second edition of Stilettos and Prose. You know how he does it. It's gonna be beautiful people, poets, alls. It's going to be all type of alls. I'm telling you what it's going to be. I'm telling you. It's going to be, you know, women be, you know, the, the poetry girls be alled up. That's one thing I like about them. You know, it's going to be some, you know, because he got the stiletto, so it's going to be some pretty girls with perms, but there's also going to be some natural hair girls in the house. So it's, just get ready. It's going to be crazy. March 1st. If I'm in town, I'm going to be there too. Just just on on just cause also support. That's the way I get down. You understand? I appreciate it, Rodney. Hey, man, hey, again, man, thanks a lot for coming on. Hey, y'all, this is Roddy Perry. You're tuning in to Roddy Perry Live. It's been an incredible show today. Thank you to Dichotomy. Thank you to Miss Jennifer. Man, Jennifer Holiday, the words, and I want to leave y'all with that. People are always trying to figure out where to go and what to do to, to be the next guy or be the next person. Jennifer Holiday said it best. Be good where you are. Yeah, that's it. It's Rodney Perry. Have a great day.